Section 73 of Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, Greenland, and the Search for the Poles. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. The World's Story, Volume 8 norway sweden denmark iceland greenland and the search for the poles edited by eva march tappan section seventy three how grettir the outlaw saved the farmhouse early eleventh century from the saga of grettir the strong rewritten by sabine Bering gould king olaf had decided that grettir must leave norway and return to iceland if he was not a guilty man he was a most unfortunate one now the norse race whether in denmark norway sweden or iceland believed in luck they said that certain men were born to ill luck and such men they avoided because they feared lest the ill luck that clung to them might attach itself to and involve those who came in contact with them it was not possible for grettir to return that year to iceland for all the ships bound for his native land had sailed before winter set in so king olaf agreed to allow him to remain in the kingdom through the winter but bound him to depart on the first opportunity next year somewhat sad at heart with disappointment and with the impression that perhaps olaf the king was right and that ill luck really did weigh on him grettir left the court and went at yule to the house of a bonder or yeoman called enar and remained with him a while the farm was in a lonely place in a ford opening back to the snowy mountains enar was a kindly man but hospitable and he did his best to make grettir stay with him pleasant he had a daughter a fair beautiful girl with blue eyes and hair like amber silk and her name was giri perhaps the beautiful giri was one attraction to grettir but if so he never spoke what was on his heart because he knew it would be useless he was an unlucky man he had made himself a name indeed as one of great daring but he had won for himself neither home nor riches nor favour now it fell out that at this time there were some savage ruffians in the country who were called bearsarks they were outlaws in most cases and they lived in secret dens in the dense forests whence they issued and swooped down on the farms and there challenged the bonders to fight with them or to give up to them whatever they needed these ruffians wore bearskins drawn over their bodies and they thrust their heads through the jaws of the beasts so that they presented a hideous and frightening appearance then they worked themselves into paroxysms of rage when they were like madmen they rolled their eyes they roared and howled like wild beasts and foam formed on their mouths and dropped on the ground they were wont also when these fits came on them to bite the edges of their shields and with their fangs they were known to have dinted the metal quite deep some folks even said they had bitten pieces out of solid shields it was usually supposed that these bears arcs were possessed by evil spirits and it is probable in many cases they were really mad mad through having given way to their violent passions till they knew no law and thought to carry everything before them by their violence it was even at one time thought by the superstitious that they could change their shapes 
and run about at will in the forms of bears or wolves but this idea grew out of the fact of their clothing themselves in bear or wolf skins and drawing the skull of the beast over their heads as a rude helmet and looking out through the open jaws that thus formed a visor one day just after yule to the terror and dismay of enar one of the most redoubtable of these bears arcs a fellow named Snokel, came thundering up to his door on a huge black horse followed by three or four others on foot all clothed in skins but Snokel, instead of wearing the bear's skin over his head had on a helmet with great tusks of a boar protruding from it and a boar's head drawn over the metal it is worth remark that the crests worn later by knights and which we have still on our plate and on harness are derived from similar adornments to helmets some warriors put wings of eagles on their headpieces others put the paws of bears or representations of lions these were badges of their prowess or marks whereby they might be known snokel struck the door of the farmhouse with his spear and roared to the owner to come forth at once enar and grettir issued from the hall and enar in great trepidation asked the bearsark what he wanted what do i want shouted snokel i want one of two things either that you give me up your beautiful daughter to be my wife and with her five score bags of silver or else that you fight me here if you kill me then luck is yours if i kill you then i shall carry off your daughter and all that you possess enar turned to gretter and asked him in a whisper what he was to do he himself was an old man whose fighting days were over and he had no chance against this savage gretter answered that he had better consult his honor and the happiness of girin and not give way to a bully the bear sark sat on his horse rolling his eyes from one to the other he had a great iron-rimmed shield before him then he bellowed forth come i'm not going to wait here whilst you consider matters make your selection of the two alternatives at once what is that great loud at your side whispering does he want to play a little game of who is master along with me for my part said grettir the farmer and i are are about in equal predicament he is too old to fight and i am unskilled in arms i see i see roared snokel you are both trembling in your shoes wait till my fit is on me and then you will shake indeed let us see how you look in your bearsark fit said grettir then snokel waxed wroth and worked himself up into one of the fits of madness there can be no doubt that in some cases this was all bluster and sham but in many cases these fellows really roused themselves into perfect frenzies of madness in which they did not know what they did now snokel began to bellow like a bull and to roll his eyes and he put the edge of the great shield in his mouth and bit at it and blew foam from his lips that rolled down the face of the shield Grettir fixed his eyes steadily on him and put his hands in his pockets. Snokel rocked himself on his horse, and his companions began also to bellow and stir themselves up into madness. Grettir, with his eye fixed steadily on the ruffian, drew little by little nearer to him. But as he had no weapon and held his hands confined, Snokel, if he did observe him, disregarded him. 
when gretir stood close beside him and looked up at the red glaring eyes the foaming lips of snowkull and heard his howls and the crunching of his great teeth against the strong oak and iron of the shield he suddenly laughed lifted his foot caught the bottom of the shield a sudden kick upwards and the shield with the violence of the upward shock broke snowkull's jaw instantly the bear sark stopped his bellowing let fall the shield and before he could draw his sword gretir caught his helmet by the great boar tusks gave them a twist and rolled snowkull down off his horse on the ground knelt on him and with the ruffian's own sword dealt him his death blow when the others saw the fall of their chief they ceased their antics turned and ran away to hide in the woods the bonder enar thanked gretir for his assistance and the lovely gerid gave him also her grateful acknowledgments and a sweet smile but gretir knew that a portionless unlucky man like himself could not aspire to her hand and feeling that he was daily becoming more attached to her he deemed it right at once to leave and he went away to a place called tunesburg end of section seventy three this recording is in the public domain